Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Tomorrow we'll discover what our God in heaven has in store. One more dawn, one more day, one day more. That is the Sharp Family Singers, and uh, by the way, I had stumbled upon that video and I said, I've got to play this because I think that's how everybody's feeling. One day more we can get out of this. One day more. There is hope at the end of the end of this tunnel that seems to be forever. There is hope at the end of the tunnel. Um, but someone who is trying to bring hope to another community in China, actually, is Miss Louisa Grieve. And uh, she is the director of Global Advocacy for the Uyghur Human Rights Project, and uh, she joins me right now. Louisa, thanks for joining me. Hey, Alex, great to be back. And uh, I know that your your organization was in the news this past week. Tell us a little bit about it. That's right. Well, the thing that we're talking about now, this horrible pandemic, is really affecting the Uyghurs. As you know, it's been three years since the Chinese government started doing mass detentions. Just like a nightmare in a movie, right, where people, the government is just going into villages, going into towns, arresting professors, stringers, writers. And if with so many people in detention and the best concrete evidence is, uh, says that there's at least 1.8 million people out of about 12 million people who are Uyghur people um, are, are, have been in detention of some kind. So the conditions are terrible. And, and Uyghurs around the world were just petrified that if the infection gets in the camps, the prisons, um, what will happen to these people? So tell us a little bit more about your efforts with this campaign to rescue the Uyghurs. Our job is to do research, like most human rights organizations with the Human Rights Project. So we are trying to alert the world to the danger. Um, we've found evidence based on uh, past witnesses, this is all very secret, as you can imagine, uh, just like every country that, that commits abuses that are known as crimes against humanity, like war crimes, right? It's just such a horrific thing to be accused of. Chinese government doesn't like this, so they're covering it up. But still, information has got out, gotten out about conditions in the camps, overcrowded, inadequate food. Uh, you know, one, in one case, a woman was in a cell that was so crowded, there were 60 people, only half of them could lie down at, um, to sleep for a few hours, and the rest literally had to stand up in order to let the other people lie down to get some sleep. So with conditions like that, we're boarding the world. We've appealed to the World Health Organizations. We've appealed to, of course, the U.S. government to raise this issue. And, um, you know, actually, to be honest, Alex, people are a little bit, feel helpless and a little bit hopeless because uh, everybody's scrambling um, to protect everyone from the virus. But we are appealing to the world and um, and especially this latest development, which has the government dealing with labor shortages, right? People are still in lockdown. Factories aren't meeting orders. So now evidence, my organization has found 
um, videos somehow circulating on, you know, that, you know, everybody knows TikTok, right? We know that's a Chinese app, by the way, and so uh, everyone who can avoid it does not get on it because there are reports about data compromise and tracking and so on. So I really want to warn everyone, don't use TikTok. But the Chinese version of it, which is actually different platforms, uh, have had people circulate these videos of unexplained situations, number of people outdoors, you know, huge crowds of people not practicing social distancing, some of them wearing masks, though, and then being ready for labor transport um, against their will to factories. And so you can only imagine the horror of it saying that is so disgusting. People, Chinese people are being, factories are closed because too many people are sick or um, they can't protect their health or their quarantine orders. And so it's like, you know, let's order some Uyghur people who are expendable and let them go and work in these factories. And their government documents. And my colleague just texted me last night. He found more, somehow got on, left online in Chinese, Chinese government documents showing um, kind of orders for more workers uh, from these basically people being treated like commodities, like slaves. I know that's kind of a, seems like it uh, could be rhetorical overkill, but that's exactly the situation. They're being ordered online oh, yeah, I need 500 more workers, and some labor broker who's connected to the government saying, oh, yeah, I can send them. I cannot miss sending them. So we have to bring this to the attention to the world, and I don't know, governments and consumers may be a little concerned. Louisa, now that we know, now that we know that there are these issues, isn't it time to take action? Oh, couldn't couldn't say it better. So the great thing is, in our great American democracy, amidst everything else they were doing um, just last month, there's a bipartisan bill called the Uyghur Forced Labor Protection Act. And it's basically to ask to ensure that our government declares that any products that that might be imported into our country are going to be presumed to be tainted with forced labor in the supply chain because there's so many cases of Uyghur forced labor that started a long time ago, um, actually October 2018, so that's almost a year and a half by now, and basically saying it's not enough to the companies, you know, sometimes they, they don't know who their supplier got their supplies from, right? Although many companies have ethical principles, the big companies especially, and they sign up to all kinds of audits and so on, but they have just been closing their eyes to the fact that they might be participating in the largest modern slave labor scheme in the world. And so we thanks to the Congress for um, turning that around and declaring that no company can import anything produced in Xinjiang, Uyghur region. Um, but also companies are on the hook, Nike uh, and... They really need to take their responsibility seriously. This is not something somebody else is going to. I mean, if you think back to the really famous cases, if there was, um, you know, the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia slaughtering anyone who wore glasses because they were an intellectual, can you imagine saying, oh, let's go ahead and import some, you know, Cambodian iron ore or fruit and vegetables, whatever it would be? Can you imagine the, the people recoiling and saying, that is so un American, right? That's not about business, it's about our core values. And, of course, um, people have been looking at what about the Nazi era? How did American business? And many businesses did not come out well with that. They said, well, we have to supply these things because if we don't, someone else will. And we now know that was just completely wrong to participate 
So our, my organization, the Uyghur Human Rights Project, is trying to uh, make people see this. Talking with Louisa Grieve of the Uyghur Human Rights Project, do you think then, Louisa, we should be writing petitions to our governments and to our parliaments and elsewhere around the world? That is such a great idea. Um, all these companies have comment sites. Please give us your feedback, right? I mean, half the time people <laughs> have to just ignore what's in there anytime they buy a product, right? And then you send a, feed, a feedback survey. But they also have it. So definitely um, go to the Nike website, um, make a complaint. The Washington Post had a huge story on the Spock shoes. Um, which are so popular, a lot of them were being produced in a factory, not in the Uyghur region, but in the city on the eastern coast near Beijing in, in a place called Qingdao. Uh, and by the way, you've heard of Qingdao beer? Um, no. Uh, tell me more about that. What, Qingdao? Qingdao. That's where that's, that's that city, Qingdao. Um, Qingdao beer is the way it's spelled, um, but it's pronounced Qingdao. So that city, that factory is well known to have had um, a large number of basically locked-in Uyghurs who are forced to work. And so leave a comment on their website. Actually write to your member of Congress. That's easier than ever before. Go to the, you, know, go, you can go to a, a thing called Find Your Representative, Google that, and then you just put in your zip code. And, I mean, I'm sure your listeners are very politically aware, and they probably do contact their member of Congress. Actually, you have... I've often asked this question to new Americans, like immigrants. So how do you contact your representatives? Actually, you have three, and people have to think about it. You have two senators, and you have a representative. Write to all of them and say, please, please, sign on as a co-sponsor of the Uyghur Forced Labor Protection Act. And, of course, Uyghur, how do you spell it? We're on radio. It starts with a U, even though it sounds like Uyghur, so it's U-Y. D-H-U-R. That's a tough one. Um, so, But if you go to my organization's website, which is a little easier to remember, U-H-R-P, you can see how it's spelled. We don't have an automatic button for people to write to the member of Congress. But absolutely that. And there's another bill, the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act, which is even broader. It appoints a special coordinator in the State Department. Um, it requires a report to Congress that can then be made public about conditions um, for the Uyghurs. So we, those two bills, um, the, the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act, that's really easy to remember, actually. It's S-178. And then the new one, which is the Forced Labor Protection Act. Um, both of them, we would love to have um, members of Congress hearing from their constituents uh, about that. And there's also a great petition that I can point you to. Definitely. We should be hearing about uh, any way we can help. So tell us about more about this petition. Yeah, so it's, um, again, funny spelling, so... Um, which we could maybe in the future we're going to have those those glasses that pop up and anything that you're listening to you know there'll be a pop up a heads up display that shows you what we're talking about <laughs> it's called Avaz so it's got three A's in it A-Z-A-A-Z dot org so Avaz A-V-A-A-Z dot org and there's a petition um, it's almost to a million people already um, it's got a great visual, which is a montage done by actually a friend of ours, whose name is Bahram Sintash. He's a Uyghur American, and he's really good with um, art. And he made a montage of all these Uyghur teachers, singers, artists, scientists, 
entrepreneurs, professors who've been just swept away. So it just really brings that human touch to it. And then just sign the petition. Um, you do have to put in an email address. Um, you know, you can use a, a nickname, right, if you don't want to put your own name up there. But use a nickname and then put in an email address and hit send and get us to a million. And that is the basis for petitions to the United Nations. People are going to use it to write to their own parliament in other countries. So that would be great if people signed a boss.com. Tom, with Louisa C. Grieve of the Uyghur Human Rights Project. Now, the Washington Post did highlight you guys this week, but I want to know, was that because they were, you know, expelled from China, covering China as a, you know, get you as a, as a we're going to get you back by reporting your abuses? That's a great question. What about media coverage? Actually, I guarantee you, Alex, if you or any of your listeners, you just Google Uyghur Human Rights, I think actually what the first thing comes up is my project. But after that, you'll just see an avalanche of English um, major media coverage. And I, I just want to have a shout out to our great free press because, uh, you know, people complain about the mainstream media or um, blindness and, and blind spots. But I must say on this story, all the mainstream media and a lot of independent outlets have just, they sense the historic injustice of what's happening, right? The targeting of an ethnic, ethno-religious minority group for reprogramming to separate, take away their children, prevent them from marrying, and force them to renounce their religion through torture. It's just like a story you wouldn't believe, and so they're kind of covering it. Um, Washington Post has been the best. There's actually on my uh, Twitter feed, uh, I need to re-up it, but they have done a series of top first editorials, right, top-of-the-page editorials, at least every month for the last two years, talking about China's gulag, you know, the separation uh, of families, this ethnic cleansing must stop, concentration camps for children, because they're forced into these orphanages, stopping the forced labor, having Congress pass this bill. So I'll say Washington Post, if you're not used to reading it, for sure, um, Google Washington Post, and then Uyghur, U-Y. And you'll see that they've been doing it. And the story that I'm talking about from early March with this Nike shoe company, the factory is um, by Anna Fifield, their Beijing bureau chief. And she's just, it was just an amazing piece of reporting. Definitely want to encourage people to check that article out. Look, you might be Republican or Democrat, the Washington Post, the Times, they still serve a purpose in our country. Hey, uh, Louise, because of the secretive nature of China, it was no surprise this week that the U.S. intelligence confirmed, hey, they're covering up statistics of actual coronavirus cases and deaths. Uh, Do you want to expound on that a little bit for us today? Absolutely. So the government of China knows that uh, this could be the defining image of China for our era, uh, that China, you know, it was this virus came from China global pandemic, horrible economic and health consequences for the whole world, and they don't want to be associated with it. So guess what they've done? They've leveraged, gone into high gear on their own counter-messaging. And do you know that most people, a lot of people in China, this is anecdotal, but some reporters who really know China, they got kicked out, by the way. So this is evidence China's trying to cover up and prevent free reporting, which it always has, but they kicked out 12 American reporters last week. And one of them, Paul Moser, a Amer- uh, New York Times journalist who just really just knows everything, speaks Chinese fluently, lived there for over a decade. He says, look, 
fully half of Chinese believe that the Chinese government line that this virus originated in America. So what does that mean? Information environment there is controlled and the government is telling them and trying to and, and fostering hatred of America based on uh, a, a pure propaganda line. And I know this people talk about the massaging and messaging and, and disinformation, misinformation, and we have to talk about it. We can't just shrug it off and say, oh, it's just too much. Because it does happen, but to do that with a critical eye and to know that the Chinese government, not only for an English-speaking audience, but Spanish-speaking and French, they have huge media operations, and they're really trying to push the line that China has saved the world because it conquered the disease uh, and was a victim, huh. that China was a victim. And there, so it's it's quite dangerous because there's uh, um, we don't have any way to respond to that. We can't control our media and tell them to push a certain line, right, and try to persuade people. And uh, actually, my organization has been attacked in this. So my organization is considered part of a, they call us a right-wing regime change organization. And, uh, you know, there's no way we can respond to that. We're just a little, you know, six-person organization just trying to do human rights documentation. Since you've undertaken this, what's the reaction been from China? Are you still allowed back there? Oh, no, I've been... um, I've been banned from China for, well, actually, at least, let's see, last time I was there, 2004, how long ago? I've been banned for 15 years, and that's because I, I talk about human rights and democracy. So this is not a place where, oh, China's so open, look how many American businesses are there, or students can go there. And I, you know, I believe absolutely in international exchange. We all want to have um, you know, global good relations and learn about other cultures. And, and of course, our businesses totally depend on um, being able to sell in other markets, all of that. I'm not against, uh, you know, international exchange, trade, everything. We, we all need that for our prosperity and for, uh, for um, you know, trying to prevent conflict. But the Chinese government is one that just keeps out critics. Um, and now, and of course, critics of the way the coronavirus has been handled. Um, so uh, actually, I want to, biggest question is, can we trust the Chinese medical numbers? No. And that, why does that matter? Because there's a global competition. Oh, which country is suffering most? Which country has a, 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 let's say, what, an incompetent government that can't handle this? And of course, Americans criticize our government up and down the line for not handling this properly, should have had lockdowns earlier, or some people think the lockdowns are inadequate. So we have a lot of lively debate and criticism, which is the lifeblood of our freedom. Louisa, that's how America was formed, to be honest with you. (laughs) Except the chorus of criticism here gets quoted by Chinese press and pushed back out there and saying, look how bad the Chinese government is, and the U.S. government is, and look at bad at their numbers. The problem is our government, the Italian government, the Spanish government, which have had such terrible outbreaks, numbers in the U.S. are getting higher almost higher than anywhere on the world anywhere else in the world of course we're a big country and i think they need to report it as per capita right we've got over 350 million people like italy which has what i don't even know 60 million that's my guess um so naturally we're going to have more cases if it's throughout our population but then it makes china look good because their numbers are looking lower why because they're hiding the numbers and you can that's what that's what this intelligence community was apparently reporting that information got leaked it was classified but again, tribute to the to the hardworking foreign correspondent reporters. They're reporting. Emily Fung from Financial Times reported from Wuhan, where this all started, 
that there are <clears throat> new cases. For sure, she talked to a lot of healthcare workers that said, we know people have this, we're testing them, they're dying, and guess what? China's reporting no new cases. Pure luck, pure, pure cover-up. Well, and you wonder, Louisa, how how that can be, and also how Russia has very low numbers. I mean, that is, that's also a pretty alarming uh, development as well. That's right. So when when you see that, you, you just have to um, uh, recognize that it, it has a lot to do with how the competition between the U.S. and China for whether people around the world trust Americans and trust the American government at least right, to try to do the right thing, to be a leader in the in the world in uh, you know trying to uphold the rule of law, trying to uphold fair trade. Um, right, that, that neither we're not being uh, cheated, but also that we don't cheat others. That's not what we do, right? So that competition, it could be a turning point. Um, I think it'll be temporary because I truly believe that American openness and bedrock, you know, the, the commitment to good principles, all of our complaints, not, you know, even though we have so many complaints about act, bad actors in our system, problems in our government, self-interested uh, politicians, who line their own pockets. We know that is a, that's a constant. But despite all that, who would you rather um, have being a greater influence in international affairs, U.S. or China? A government that completely lies or a government like ours that struggles and gets a lot of criticism but doesn't actively try to endanger people's health by misreporting the numbers? So that we need that information to, to help the, the doctors, the frontline workers, our first responders, the governors who have to come up with budgets to help people, they, they can't do that with fake numbers, and yet China's doing it with fake numbers. So that's a critical point you're raising, Alex, that it matters that you have clear evidence, not just speculation, but just clear evidence of when a government is deliberately putting out false information and then um, shutting down criticism and critical analysis that would help us get to the true numbers. Talking with Louisa Greve, she's the Global Advocacy Director for the Uyghur Human Rights Project. Check them out, and uh, don't worry, the spelling will be right on the title. But uh, Louisa, the World Health Organization has also come under fire this week, more so than the last few weeks, because they people feel like they are to blame for this outbreak as well. What what have you observed about the WHO's health, uh, health organization? How have... What have you observed about the World Health Organization's behavior and where they've communicated about this uh, amidst coronavirus? Yes. Um, what can I say? I, I believe that the World Health, or, excuse me, the World Health Organization um, has a great mandate to really be the place where health agencies across the world can share critical information. We need that information. What is the uh, epidemiology, you know, all that the scientific analysis and sharing evidence of what's worked in responding to a pa pandemic. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> the head of it is elected, and um, the person who's the head of it, Dr. Tedros, uh, was heavily lobbied for by Chinese diplomats among all the diplomatic missions that had to elect him. And uh, we have clear evidence that politics is playing a role, particularly with China's mania for keeping Taiwan 
which we know is a flourishing democracy, and America is uh, doing our best to um, help the people of Taiwan, 24 million people in Taiwan who have a democracy, and let them not simply be taken over by China. And the WHO is keeping out Taiwan um, from and, and shutting down and criticizing anyone who implies that uh, Taiwan is a separate uh, country or has a government separate from China's government. And not only that, they're doing a great job on the coronavirus. They really flattened the curve, and I really recommend anyone who's really interested in how different societies have handled this and governments, Taiwan is a total standout. And just sort of Google that, look up Taiwan handling of coronavirus. It's been amazing. And so for the World Health Organization to spend its time um, criticizing people on Twitter, for example, who want to raise the question, why is Taiwan excluded from the information exchange? And then they say, uh, you know, they were, they refuse, they shut down those critics. They won't let people um, to their press briefings if they ask that question. It's outrageous. Well, you know, one other thing that's been eating at me all week, uh, Louisa, has been the State Department. I mean, they, they brought home from Wuhan um, two flights in February, I believe Super Bowl Sunday is what Secretary of State Pompeo said. And do you think the do you think that was the right move to bring them back? Was it was there much preparation? I mean, I think it was great that we brought them back, but could it have been done a different way? What what's your reaction to that development that you know we have brought people home back in February? Right, and in fact, in the week since, it's been a, a real struggle for um, the State Department to help fulfill what we want all want from our government. Is if if as an American citizen, we're in trouble around the world. We do want our government to serve us, and that is the mandate of the State Department to help people, you know, get home um, if they're stuck or in trouble. And uh, we certainly didn't want Americans to then say, right. And in fact, in the weeks since, it's been a, a real struggle for um, the State Department to help fulfill what we want all want from our government. Is if, if as an American citizen, we're in trouble around the world. We do want our government to serve us, and that is the mandate of the State Department to help people, you know, get home um, if they're stuck or in trouble. And uh, we certainly didn't want Americans to then say, "I couldn't get a, a, a plane," right? Because plane travel was shut down pretty really early, um, either late January, or early February, and then they're stuck. And so, for the American government to basically rescue our citizens was the right thing to do from a humanitarian perspective. But then, of course the quarantine. Was it set up properly? Did people obey it? Um, you know, to, to make sure that they stayed isolated from anyone else here. And of course, there were some criticisms that it could have been done a lot better. Um, and I haven't seen a, a full analysis of that. You know, that was a, in a few, just a couple, you know, several hundreds of people. Um, but it does show that Americans are around the world. And I, I just want to say for people who just really are disgusted with the American government, um, there there is there's just our, our diplomats, uh, you know, and our State Department, they've been really working overtime to help people in this horrible situation. And, and we do actually, um, we should be uh, thankful that they consider it their mandate to help us. They do feel an obligation to our citizens. Um, you know, and of course, we should still be as critical as we need to be about the implementation so that we don't, um, you know, allow mistakes to happen. Well, I think that that message of the government actually trying to help here is is needed because you're in D.C. You're watching the political chaos uh, unfold, and I think some of it wrongly put on the president, blame put on the president for this. I'm hoping by mid-May, by mid-May, there is a sort of return to normalcy. 
Oh, absolutely. We all have to keep up hope and um, not get tired of the restrictions, although we all feel tense and tired. Um, for sure, uh, the, the government is now, you know, the advice is good. I can say that being here in Washington, um, looking at this very carefully from the way it developed in China, in Taiwan, in Italy and in Korea, as you say, um, it, it matters that, that people uh, don't get too disgusted with the government or with get tired you have to do it for yourself and for others. Louisa, where can people one more time find your organization and on Twitter, on online? Do you have a website? Give that website one more time. Absolutely. I'll first say definitely visit a website, uhrp.org. And I'm on Twitter at Louisa C. Grieva. I don't know what Dallas. Why do they pick such difficult names? You know, it's really hard. I should have thought of radio when my parents named me. Um, so, but uh, actually, just honestly, say in in Twitter or Facebook or um, just on the internet, just type in Weaver U Y T H U R, and you'll see it spelled another way U I T H U R. That's the same, but I recommend simplest thing U H R P dot org. We'd love your support. We'd love some financial support to deal with this. Uh, crisis, and we'd love for you to read about the situation and, and write to your members of Congress. Well, Louisa, thank you for all your efforts in this fight, and uh, maybe, just maybe one day, the Uyghurs can find a way to leave that dictatorship and maybe come to America and make a better life here. So thanks for doing that fight um, and, and being on the ground and in the trenches, as they say, day in and day out. Oh, well. Same back to you. Really, really appreciate that you're paying so much attention. Well, uh, thanks again. I'm Alexander Garrett, and uh, we will talk to you all soon. Have a great, great rest of your Saturday, and hope you, you hear this and take action.